But it, th- yeah. there was definitely it was produced with a marching order. Somebody went to all these creators and said, "Here's your episode. Make sure that there's gratuitous nudity at least once, uh, and make sure there's lots of gore, and then a nice twist ending." You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 146. I'm your host, John Congdon. With me, as always, my good friend, Eric Van Johnson. How are you doing? What the hell is that? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> and Thomas Rideout. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a Thomas, that was you're a... dragging through the mud, man. What's going on? Uh, I just finished a 12-hour shift about 10 minutes ago. Well, at um, least you have your priorities straight. Finish a shift. Yeah. Get over here right away. I like it. If you uh, if you remember closing last week's episode, I said that we're being a we're doing a big DNS move. Uh huh. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. That but yeah. That, that was supposed to be Monday, wasn't it? It was. Yes. And, and? everything <laughs> went everything went fantastically. Uh, it, it was, it was great out the door. Perfect. I didn't have to worry as much as I was worrying. Um, but we have in the range of a couple thousand other records that we have to maintain DNS wise. Uh, so we've been touching little things here and there over the last week. And today, uh, a bug in the API I was calling Deleted three whole zones. Uh, <laughs> no. So, in the range of 500 records total for so those a, three zones. A bug in the API you were calling or a bug in the code you wrote to, to call the API? I have an actual email from our host saying... Our engineers were able to confirm that this was an issue on our side. Oh no. So it was just it was just the fact that their system had a failover that would fetch a zone record if you tried to fetch a regular A record in a very specific pattern of use, and I had just dropped that into place and executed it and I was supposed to be deleting three or four A records, but I deleted MX records, um, mail keys, you know, the whole shebang for the whole company. Uh, because the first three domains were the corporate domains. <laughs> so it wasn't like the site went down. It was like the business went down. Oh my goodness. But it um, still wasn't, it still wasn't your fault. You just triggered a bug on their end, right? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my fault. Uh, it was my fault for not doing things the exact same way they had been working all week. I had just taken a slight, slightly different tack on one line of code, and that was the, that was the bug that got triggered. Oh. So, I mean, I, you know, I had been working on this for six days straight now. I worked Saturday and Sunday, and then I was, I ran, I executed my script Monday at 1 a.m. So, I mean, it's, it's been a long, long week already. And then today at 4.30, boom, everything goes down. So, it's been, it's, if I'm tired, it's because it's been a long week. And then today has <laughs> been especially long. But now I have all these great tools for managing large-scale DNS records, and I know how to backup zone files and generate new zone files and all that lovely stuff. Now, if you just moved it to AWS, you could use Route 53 and their API is probably way better. I wouldn't know if I'm using it yet. DNS APIs are simple stuff, really. It's just Mm -hmm. knowing, you know, knowing that you're in a zone and not in a record, knowing that you're adding to a record or updating a record or deleting it. It's like, it's, it's generally very simple stuff. It's just that when it goes wrong, it crashes the whole plane. See, up until probably around two or three months ago, I was still using Bind and editing files directly on Bind servers, reloading it. So I was just editing the, the raw zone record versus using APIs or 
going to some GUI to make little changes here and there. So I'm kind of new to all this stuff too. Yep. It's, it was, it was a rough one today. Sounds like it. That's, that's for sure. And then there's, all you right. know, there's all this news. Well, let's not talk about news. Let's let Eric bring us out of the funk. <laughs> yeah, Eric, what you, you got you going start, on? You, you started the show out me. way down here. Let's bring it back up. <laughs> Why are we turning for me to, for the, I got you're nothing. Good, you're I good got, at it. Yeah. What do you mean you got nothing? Yeah, I got nothing, man. I got nothing. I, 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 uh, let's see. What can I talk about? I was listening to a podcast recently. I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys in the past, but I love coding. I love everything about coding. I love learning. I love You may have, you may have mentioned it about one week ago. Exactly. I may mention it on a, on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> but um, I was, we're working on a, a new project. We've been talking about it. I mean, we're going on, we're probably going on a year now of this new application we've been working on. And we're real close to kind of handing it off to the client so that they can start doing some demo work with it. It's not really even in a beta beta state yet. And a lot of that's because the client hasn't really had their hands on it enough to get their head around what it's doing, how it's doing it, and what they what they want it to do differently. Um, but we're getting close to, to handing that off. But, you know... It, it was our opportunity to implement a lot of new things the way we wanted to implement them, take advantage of a lot of patterns. We've talked about a lot of them recently, like event sourcing. And I came across a new pattern that um, I'm looking to kind of shoehorn, not shoehorn. I shouldn't, I shouldn't imply that I'm forcing it in, but kind of an afterthought that I heard, I had heard about before. And it's called a, it's called a state machine. I was listening to Jake Jacob Bennett. Um, yeah, he was talking about it. he. He's been preaching about state machines for a while, and I've I've done some research on them. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't. I kind of see where it, it, it's a nice to have thing, but I don't really see a benefit to it. And listen to um, a podcast he was on. Uh, if, oddly enough, not one of his podcasts. Uh, he was a guest on another podcast where. He talked about state machines, and something just resonated, really resonated with me. I'm like, okay, I need a state machine. <laughs> <laughs> can can so, you share that? Can you share that with me? Maybe put it in the show notes, too? I'd be interested uh, in hearing the, it. The podcast or state machine? The podcast. I know what a state machine is. I'd like to hear this yeah. podcast where it resonated with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, throw, it, I'll throw it in the... Um, I'll throw it in the show notes, but... If you don't understand what a state machine is, and I think one of the one of the things he he may have made reference to, but what really started to resonate with me is how how hand in hand uh, event sourcing and having a state machine kind of go. I'm like, wow, I really see a lot of benefit. But if you if you don't understand what a state machine is, you probably have done it in the past yourself using Boolean logic of. You know, yes, no, yes, no, sort of things, but it really kind of tracks. Not only does it track the state of an object, for example, but it has some logic behind it to make sure that it doesn't doesn't transfer from one state to another state that doesn't make sense. So, I guess the best example I can think of is uh, you have a state machine for meetings, right? And meetings have certain states they can be in. You can be scheduling a meeting, you can be having a meeting, you could have had a meeting, or you could cancel a meeting. And what a state machine would do would track what state that meeting object's in. So is that meeting object being scheduled? You know, people are accepting invites and they're trying to figure out the schedule. Is that is that meeting happening? Has it happened or has it been canceled? And a state machine would prevent you from, say... From say going from having a meeting or, or scheduling a meeting to canceling a meeting to then having a meeting, you know the the logic behind a state machine would would dictate, hey, you can't have a state of a canceled meeting then have a state of having a meeting, and the the more I thought about that and the more I thought about 
how it would apply to our application. It's like, yeah, I can see tracking a lot of things. And another use of it is like tracking a user's um, status through a platform, for example. Like if it's a status where they're leveling up or or they have to complete certain tasks to to you know be eligible for other things, a state machine would track that. And again, it's it's more than just tracking, oh yeah, they completed A, B, C, so now they're on D. But it also has logic that says, oh, they can't go from A to D, or maybe they can go to A, from A to D, but there's logic in your code in, in the state machine that handles that for you. So you, you're not always doing this ifs, else, ifs, ifs, else, ifs, else. The state machine says, oh, yeah, this is a path, a valid path that this object can take for different states, or it's not a path it can take. So, so I've, I've really have kind of... Uh, I've really started to see a lot of use for that, especially with the way we're using event sourcing and I was gonna say don't, events. isn't isn't that already kind of built into event sourcing as is? <clears throat> you can't go from event A to event C uh, unless you follow the proper path. I mean, just like you said with with the state machine, you can go from uh, those events if it's permissible, but it blocks you if it's not. Right, so, so so it's very similar to event sourcing from that perspective, but it's not the same because event mm-hmm. sourcing, event sourcing is just a journal of, you know, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. And if you want to play back those events, exactly what you said, John, you can't play back the third step of an event without playing back the first two steps. Yeah, but just like machine, with, with the your meeting example, when you go to the accounting example in event sourcing, you can't had the event of refund if you have don't have an event of charge so there is an right. event machine i mean a state machine kind of built into the event sourcing piece of it i i i, I suppose if you wanted to build the logic out yourself my the the packages i'm looking at um help it, it generates that logic for you of so what you just the example you just gave john you would have to build that logic of event sourcing where you're saying, okay, I'm doing a refund, look for an event that has a charge. And you probably, you probably want to do that regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Or something as critical as a money transaction. But that's not, that's not being able to look at that, look at that object and know what state it's in. You have to play back your events. So you don't have any assurance. So for example, Let's say you were using a, a state machine for that transaction. Um, you could look at the transaction and say, you know, the transaction has been processed, right? And because you have a state machine, you can be pretty sure that it it can't be in that process state unless it had passed everything else that it could have to get to the process state. To your point, to confirm that, you could play back the events to validate how it got to that state, but you don't need to, right? Because you have a state machine and you're confident that your state machine is tracking the state of that, of that transaction. Correct. But it's good to have the event sourcing to confirm it. Theoretically confident. Right. Theoretically confident. We know all about your Newton laws and black hole theory there. I've just, yes. I've just had my confidence shattered this week. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, poor co- poor coding. Yes, that's a, that's always a thing. <laughs> but it's it's more of a um, you know uh, event sourcing is is great to to fact check uh, things that have happened. Where state machines allow you to push forward a little quicker and say, okay, here's where I'm currently at. I don't have, I can't validate this. You. To our point, you have to have confidence in the state machine that got me here. But if you combine that with event sourcing, then you do have that ability of saying, okay, this object says it's in this state. How did it get to this state right here? And we could always play it back. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> hey, Thomas, I kind of yeah. I kind of kind of hacked uh, Eric's computer recently. Did you add like five cameras to it? No, no, no. I uh, we have a client who changes his his uh, avatar almost every week, 
and we're on a on a meeting with them <laughs> this week and i'm like i know who that is so while we're on the call with him i'm like keith is that eric the midget and he absolutely loved the fact that i knew the reference i knew what that was and for those that don't know it's a he was a character on the howard stern show and how did i guess he he's <laughs> he's he died a few years ago but anyway i knew the the reference and after the call, Eric was asking me who, who this was. So I explain it, and he makes the mistake of going to YouTube and Googling or searching that. And now all of his recommended <laughs> videos are for <laughs> Eric the Midget. I mean, I have a full page of recommended videos of Eric the Midget, and um, I was so pissed with John. I'm trying to trying to quickly pull up the uh, here. Wow. Let me let me let me um. See, if I if I put it on Firefox and change Firefox to Slack, he, he, sent, he sent me this this screenshot and I just cracked up laughing. It was hilarious. The, this I is mean, the, for those watching the video, this is what my recommended video list looked like after like two days of looking at and listening to literally thirty seconds of a of a YouTube clip of who this person was. Next thing you know, my recommended list is just cluttered with with recommendations of videos of, of this person. Which is well, crazy. That's, that's like, people have complained about YouTube driving people to extremist content the same way. Where, if someone sends you a flat earth video, now all of a sudden you're getting recommendations only for flat earthers and only just the most bizarre deep end of the pool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be one thing if you watched lots of videos on a topic, but to watch one, okay, you, you throw one or two more in there, but to have all of your recommended thoughts filled like that is just crazy. <laughs> I think when, when you... When YouTube has a pool of videos that has a really closed audience and someone comes in from outside and checks out, hey, what's over here? Then YouTube wants to push all this content that they've been unable to push. So they just yeah. start pushing all of the whole the whole swimming pool right in your face. They don't that, care if that, you liked it or not. Yeah, that happened to me recently. I started watching some rock climbing videos and now I just get inundated with a lot of uh, I don't know where these guys are from, but I think they're Sweden or over in the UK. I end up liking the, the videos and I watch way more than I should. And now I want to get so into rock climbing. The, you're the problem. Yep. <laughs> so their plan is working on you. Yeah. It is. Well, I, yeah. I've I'm been talking to my wife about going to a, a rock climbing gym, taking the boys. Looking forward to it. I strongly, I strongly suggest doing that. Especially with the kids. Kids are kids are spider monkeys, man. Let them let them have at it. They they've kids been loving the the tiny ones at monsters. the playgrounds. You know that mm -hmm. are four or five feet tall. So take yeah. them to a, take them to a real rock climbing gym. They'll be in awe. So will I. You know, one of the cool things about San Diego is we have we have several of them. So it's it's really really convenient, really easy and accessible. Time and money, everything Time comes down to. Comes down to that. Well, there you go. You have your kids' next uh, birthday party uh, planned out. They do birthday parties. Uh, I'm sure they. One do. of my kids' favorite birthday party they went to was their friend had a uh, rock climbing uh, gym, and that's what they did. It was fantastic. Spe speaking of kids' birthday parties, nope, nope. Not speaking <laughs> of kids' birthday parties, what did God you do, damn. Eric? What did you do? <laughs> I got old, Thomas. That's apparently what his, happened. His girls turned 21 yesterday. Ooh. 21. 21, oh. man. I, ha I have two children who are 21 years old now. So we, we went out, had a nice dinner, did some shots. You know, it was fun and it was entertaining. We've uh, never demonized drinking in our house. Um, we never hid drinking uh, from our kids. Uh, at a fairly, you know, young age, we always offered uh, wine at dinner. 
there were girls if they wanted it. Um, they almost never took us up on it. I think, I think they each did it once where they had a half, half a glass of wine. When you say um, young age, you, you mean like 18, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the early teens, not before 18. I mean, it, it probably, I think the, I think around 17 is when, you know, we offered and whenever, whenever we drank, um, if they wanted to taste what we're drinking, they could. So <clears throat> you got to give know, them it, just enough to know that it tastes bad and has no effect on you other than tasting bad. Right. So I think we were pretty fortunate. Uh, we, we, we know that they've tried a couple things. I mean, I, I know that last night was their first drink and they've been, I feel like they've been pretty honest with me on you know the times that they had drank before, but um, it, which was very minimum. I mean, I I I was way way guiltier of it when I was younger, so um, I'm I'm not going to hold them to it or anything. But but yeah, they had their not first that you could anymore drink. anyway. They're adults. They had their first legal drink here in the U.S. Oh, that's the other thing. We've been drinking with them before down in Mexico. So we live here in San Diego. It's a border country to Mexico. Mexico is 18. We've been down there a couple times. Uh, they'd ordered uh, pina, pina colada or something. They took about four sips of it and hated it. So they've had opportunities. They just chose not to take advantage of them. I, you know, like, I think they're good kids when it comes to that. But they had their first legal drink here in the U.S. Yes, yesterday. So we started. I started them off with a shot of Jameson. And that was about all it took for my one daughter. She just about <laughs> she just about ended up on the floor just from the shot of Jameson. <laughs> it was so cute. Oh man! But yeah, you know what? It sucks, man. Getting old sucks. Hate it. I'm all right with thanks it. For, I think I've thanks I've for dragging me down, well. down, John. Appreciate it. I use you to build us up and take us back down. <laughs> it's- yeah, it's the vegan you way. Want, <laughs> <laughs> Not oh. sure where that came from, but okay. Hey, got got to get a dig you? in there somehow. What about you, John? John came out of the closet too. Since since we're outing everybody. Oh, do you follow him on Facebook? <laughs> I have uh, not been on Facebook a whole lot lately. Oh, yeah, wasn't. no he 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 had his he had his national coming out. Uh, to the public thing, closet thing happened. Uh, I can let him explain. Yeah, so so last Saturday, uh, March 23rd, was the inaugural International Atheist Day. And it was, tout- it was touted as an atheist coming out day. And his, not- his part of the group of, we don't believe in something and we want to tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works. Anyway, yeah, that's kind of how it works. Not quite. The I've never hidden it. We've talked about it on this show. If you are a friend with me on Facebook and you look at my about page, my religion was atheism. So it's not like I hid it. I just made it kind of an announcement to people that don't look and uh, was basically sharing the information about the day and kind of mm-hmm. what it meant. That's all. It wasn't a big deal. Eric's making it a big deal, and I don't know why. I'm just trying to deflect attention from me. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> Success. If you're watching your stream, by the way, uh, I'm going to apologize. The uh, Discord uh, chat feed is offline. Um, let, me, let me pop back on to see if by chance this come back. Just to see how well, offline it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's been, um, been offline all day, so it's... Uh, Wait, so you've had all it's, day to fix this? Uh, no, I mean it's 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 something with Discord. It's not us at all. Okay. The five hundred two wow. error message from Discord. Nice. Yeah, yeah. D- Discord is having some sort of issue. So, so yeah, a lot of Discord's websites. Down. A lot of websites this week. Reddit, Facebook went down. People are losing their Facebook minds. went down. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram went down for a couple of hours. I thought that was wow. last week, wasn't it? Was it? Was that this? I think it was last week. I don't think that was. I've, this lo- week. I've lost my spiritual connection to time, so I don't know what week is what right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that and was like, "That's probably 
the the best thing that could happen for society. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, it happened. I didn't even notice it happened. So that's how good my life is. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't notice it until some people in Slack started talking about it. I'm like, oh, I guess there's some issue over here. <laughs> and then they made it sound like it was a subset of users. Some users could still see Facebook, and some users couldn't. So I I need to talk about Apple. Actually, no. Before you do that, let's go back to Facebook. Did you see that they were storing passwords in clear text? Yes. I saw the article fly by, but I didn't read it. And it, it, it was just that, right? Yeah, it wasn't all passwords. And they made it seem like it was... I'm still not quite clear on the details, but some some parts of the system had your passwords in clear text that Facebook employees had access to. And of course they're saying that there's been no, uh, there's no signs of any harm being done or, you know, action being taken, but they, yeah, and, and through, it's through a normal to, audit, they see it, they found it, it's, they're correcting it. It's related to Facebook light users, which is like a low bandwidth version. And yeah. I've, I've never even heard of it before, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even bother reading the article because I saw it and I just went, yeah, of course, of course that happened. Just a giant corporation that doesn't care about privacy was storing our passwords in clear text and letting people who work for Facebook search through it. All right. Could be a lot worse. <laughs> it probably is a lot worse. It just shocks me. Like, how does that happen? I, with Facebook, I, it's Facebook. It's how it happened. Thomas. You were talking about Apple. There there were a slew of big company announcements this week. The first one was Google said they're launching Stadia, which is their uh, streaming gaming platform. But mm-hmm. that, that one will kill itself. That one won't really injure a lot of people when it goes down miserably. The ones that really concern me are, of course, you know, since... Apple's been working on a self-driving car for a long time now. They just announced the Apple credit card. Because <laughs> you can't fund a car without getting a credit card. And as far as credit cards go, it's uh, cool. You know, it's it lets you do all these tech things that credit cards should have allowed you to do a long-ass time ago. Where Oh, really? Like what? Like... You can you can say how much you want to pay off on your card on this circular sliding scale. And if you're paying off enough of your card in at one time, then there's no interest rate on the balance. And as you reduce your payments, you can see the interest rate going up in real time. So as you're making payments, you can see what you're paying towards. Oh, um, God, that sounds majorly... Okay. It's it they make it look nice and simple where it's just got this dial and as you raise or lower the dial the interest rate changes and that's the rate that you're paying for that block of cash. Um or just pay your credit card every, off every month and don't pay any interest. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> that's one secret. of the ideas behind it is that yeah, it will be a no interest card if you pay it off in full every month. All um, of them. It are. doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have any fees. They're not, not. They're not all. Yeah. Oh no, there are some that will charge annual holders fees, and they'll automatically charge interest to those fees and stuff. Well, yeah. So you, is this just there's annual just fees, a visa? but not interest. Is this uh, just a visa? Yeah. So it's a visa. the The number is generated inside the phone, and it's stored in the secure portion of the phone, which is. Tied into face ID and and thumbprint reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and you know why? You know why I don't. You know why I don't care about this because it will only be available on Apple I. Yep, hundred percent. So, no, not really. I really don't encourage people to do that. So. What I'm excited about okay. is somebody buying an iPhone with their Apple Card. And then never paying it, never paying it off. Why would that interest you? 
I don't know. I, I, this, this, <laughs> just the whole I'm closed so ecosystem drives me nuts. I don't know. I hate it. Right. I think creating a new credit card for people that have iPhones is the most, well, it's, the, it's the most keeping up with card, the Joneses right? type thing you can possibly do. Yeah. It's like, I've got an Apple card. I, be, I use Apple Pay and it goes straight to my credit card and then I can pay it off through my phone and I'm, and then they announced that if you want a physical card, you can order one, and they'll send you a titanium physical card that has no numbers on it. It just has the mag stripe. And I'm like, who who cares? Is there a lot of theft based off of the number printed on the card nowadays? It's just the whole thing, it's so stupid, and in the classic Apple way, their commercial for it is just the most bleached, whitewashed, Happy songs and people spending thousands of dollars on shoes, garbage you've ever seen. <laughs> I really wonder what the adoption of Apple Pay is, actually is. I use Google Pay or Android Pay, whatever they're calling it today, all the time. But I don't know that everybody does that has an iPhone or an Android. Well, I think, uh, like I said, when I went up to Vancouver... What, love, love you, Vancouver. Fantastic city you guys have there. But when I went up there, it the expectation was that you were using tap to pay. So whether it's Google Pay or or, or Apple Pay, whatever Apple says, what's it called? Apple Pay. Apple Pay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have their expectation in probably ninety five percent of the places I went was that you're using tap to pay, hmm. and I loved it. And it, I thought, yeah, this is the way it should be. I, I get, I'm growing more and more frustrated by even like big chains here in the U.S. Walmart, for example, doesn't use tap to pay. Lowe's doesn't use tap to pay. They say they do, but they say it never works. They're like every time I've gone to any Lowe's, I'm like, do you have tap to pay? It doesn't work. It's like, th- does it not work or do you not have it? Because those are two different things. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, it lowers like, your lowers your integration costs if you just tell people to say it's not working right now. Yeah, that's I think that's right. Uh, but I I was loving it, and it as an American, it took me a while to get used to it. It's like okay, all I need is my phone. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I can't you, believe your watch how doesn't long have it, NFC. My watch does not now. Oh. Which I'm, I'm very envious of yours. Does I, it definitely going to be the next time I get a smartwatch? That's going to be one of the things that it has to have. Is that uh, I, I, I'm sorry, my watch does have NFC, but it doesn't have doesn't have Google Pay on it for really? whatever reason. Huh? Yeah. It's, oh, so you're not on <laughs> OS two or whatever it is. Watch OS two point I think I'm on the current. I don't know. We can look at it tomorrow. That's weird. But to answer your question. And not that you, I had a question, but that is definitely one of my next smartwatch that will be a requirement is to have that uh, that tap to pay on my watch. I love it. I use it all the time. My only complaint is it can be slow, especially when I want to switch cards between the business card and my personal card. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be prepared well before I get to the counter wherever, or wherever I'm paying. Cause we it, don't say slow. So, we say deliberate. Do you say do you do you switch on your on your watch or your phone? On my watch. Oh, okay. Because for me, using the phone, it's seamless. I, matter of fact, I, since getting the Pixel Three, I've had the best experience that I that I ever had. I, I had the uh, S Eight before, and that was frustrating because every time I try to use Tap to Pay, I would have to initiate the use. It would fail. Prompt me for my security code i'd put in my security code then it would work and every time every time it happened i knew it was going to happen i would tell the cashier it fails the first time don't worry i tap it she goes that didn't go through you want to try again oh my god i just told you it was going to fail just give me a second to put in my code (laughs) but uh with the pixel it it works seamlessly i i I switch between my cards it's quick i tap and it's the quickest response i've gotten so far i haven't used it that's the that's the phone I haven't even tried it on my phone because of the watch. Well, the next big thing from Apple 
was the announcement yeah. of their Apple TV Plus subscription service. And Apple TV. And if you thought that the credit card commercial was full of itself, just wait till you see Steven Spielberg talking about how great it is to be a movie producer. Because, oh my god, it's so mind-bendingly awful. <laughs> but it, it they, they trot Oprah out... Oprah there, too? Say again? Didn't they have Oprah there, too? Talking about it? That she's going to be doing something with it? Uh, Not Oprah, as... Steven Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, M. Night Shyamalan, Ron Howard, Octavia Spencer, Sophia Coppola. Oh, God. So, uh, I mean, Chick are they going to have exclusive con- content or something? I mean, yeah, so what, they're, they're gearing Apple up do, for What's Apple TV doing that's making their job so much easier? They're gearing up for tons of exclusive content. Um, they say they're expecting to spend $2 billion on production this year. They've got, it looks like from the video, they've got a studio that is ready to go for content creators. Uh, they're being more liberal, I guess, with the approval of content. The big question is, do they have a PHP podcast uh, show yet? And do they, they want one? They don't. <laughs> and they don't. Damn it. Sorry. Uh, I did. I reached yeah. out to them and they said, please stop calling us, sir. <laughs> and can you remove your show from iTunes? Thank you. <laughs> we know who you are. We don't want any more. <laughs> yeah, but I it- saw this again. You know, just like the, um, just like the iPhone, iPhone credit card, and all that other stuff. We have to live in that ecosystem. And I'm just not going to uh, to concern myself with anything like that. I mean, at least Amazon. You play on multiple platforms. Um, I mean, everything else you play on multiple platforms. Is is, is Apple TV going to be exclusive to Apple devices? Uh, I'm sure. They, I actually believe they said that it is for the Apple TV app on iOS, Mac, Roku, Fire TV, and TVs from various manufacturers. So yeah. it I'll will say, be if a I can't get on, If I can't get it on my Roku, I don't care. <laughs> I still don't actually care. I don't. I, I don't know what they could be bringing to the to the game to to impress me. That's the thing is they're bringing this talent lineup that really makes sense, except they're not bringing any content that anyone can recognize. So yes, they're bringing in Steven Spielberg, but the content isn't the next Indiana Jones. It's just some other Spielberg thing. Mm-hmm. And, but, but it has the potential if, if you get enough people talking about it. Where now you you get people like us that are like, oh, I guess I need to go watch whatever the next big show is on Apple TV+. Plus. Well, it reminds me a lot of Tidal, which was Jay-Z's subscription music service that had all of the great talent on it, but it bombed miserably. And I see all this talent that they have for Apple TV+, Plus, but then I look at what Disney Plus just announced they're going to have, which is... Everything to do with Marvel. So they've got all of the Netflix shows, all the the Marvel shows that are currently on Netflix are going to go to Disney+. Plus. All of the Star Wars content is going to be on Disney+. Plus. Everything Disney does is going to be on this one platform. And Apple TV is like, well, we have a drama by somebody you've never heard of. Like, (laughs) well... I'm sure I'll find someone's account to borrow, but well, it's, it's not like any of this is groundbreaking. Every other Hulu does it, Amazon does it, Netflix does it. Everybody has their own studio now. Everybody has big name, big actors, big actresses, big directors, big producers producing these, and the, and they all kind of suck. I mean, it's not that they suck; it's just they're. Oh, they're just so they're, they're saturating the market so badly. So now, have you seen Love, Death, and Robots yet? I have, because that was weird. That's man. awesome. That was so weird. A little too much random penis. Strangest boners I've had in a long time. Yeah, very confusing yeah. stuff, but really great short stories. I I did like I did like. 
the I, I I did like the length of them. I thought they were a, a good. I think they were about fifteen twenty minutes each. Uh, so it ranged and, from it ranged from about eight minutes to fifteen minutes. Okay, all right, that that sounds fair. And the 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 scope of the stories were were really good. There were there were a couple I thought were duds, but some of them were just dynamite little stories. I, I like I like things like that. Yeah, but yeah, there was a lot. What was of, the name of it? A lot of them Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, Love, Death. And, and if you want a good place to start that's just horrifying, the uh, jumping to the wrong space station epi- or, yeah, episode is just... Start with, start with the first, first show. I mean, you, don't, you don't have to watch them in order. They're, they're not dependent on one another. But yeah, they're just, just, a, start, just a collection of short stories that have to do with... Just start from the beginning. It'll be easier to track where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> And, but, and I uh, think there's there's only about a dozen uh, stories. I don't I don't remember exactly how many are out there, but yeah, I think there's 15 of them. Yeah, but it, th- yeah. there was definitely it was produced with a marching order. Somebody went to all these creators and said, "Here's your episode. Make sure that there's gratuitous nudity at least once, uh, and make sure there's lots of gore, and then a nice twist ending." And I was like, that's boom, boom, boom. It was just those three things 15 times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're making me not, not that I'm going to watch it anyway. I wrote it down and we'll proceed to forget all about it after we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're making me not want to watch it that much more. Perfect. Good job. <laughs> oh, the, the episode when the yogurt took over might be my favorite one. When the yogurt took over, I don't. Don't remember that one. What when we accidentally breed yogurt into sentience and it takes over the planet? Oh, dude, I can't, I can't recall that one. It's like I, I believe you. I mean, that, that sounds like the right. That sounds like the right. Oh, I, I do remember the claymation one. Yeah, it's right. it's narrated by Brain from Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if well. if you haven't checked out Love, Death, and Robots, check it out. But make sure that the kids are not. Hanging out in the room with you. You might want to make sure they're not in the house, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's, there are some cases where it's just really unnecessary penis. <laughs> just, to- just totally unnecessary in, in the fact that it showed up and the detail behind it is really. <laughs> he, he, he speaks the truth. I'm, I'm not. I wish he. I wish he was exaggerating, but he's totally not exaggerating. Again, and there's want to watch it less and less and less. You'll. I guarantee you'll like some of it. But and but uh, yeah, put the we'll kids see. to bed first. I was. I, I uh, subscribe. So I'm a big DC fan, right? Um, the DC comic book franchise fan. Obviously, I'm a big Batman fan. Everybody knows this. And DC had um, a special. You could. Subscribe to their all-access DC Universe package, which was their their whole streaming service of all their DC products, all their DC movies, uh, and then exclusive content just for their network. So they had the um, the you know real life, uh, not real life, but a uh, real action Teen Titans. I don't know how you word that. Not Live the action. Live action. There you go. Teen Titans. And the, uh the biggest takeaway of that show was fuck Batman. Right. That that was that was them showing their edginess where Robin, you know, makes that statement of fuck Batman, right? They, yeah. This swing this, swing this, and a miss. Terrible show. This was them saying, Hey, we're being edgy. Uh they have a show in there that I that I actually like called Doom Patrol. But again, shocking how much nudity vulgar uh, language and just gore that they have on that show. <laughs> and, it's, and the show itself has some pretty good actors in it. And it's a funny concept. It's basically like people who have these mutant powers, but they're really not superheroes. Like they, they, they just have these unfortunate conditions where they have mutant powers. And, uh, and they're not good mutant powers either. They're like, it's hard to explain, but 
Well, one of them's just a robot, isn't he? Yeah, that's you know who that is. That's Brandon Fraser. Uh, what's his name? Brandon Fraser, the <laughs> uh, the mummy guy from the original Mummy series. Yeah, yeah. That's him. And the only thing real about him is his brain. Everything else was replaced by by metal. And it's not it's not cool looking robot. It's like Frankenstein steel robot. Uh, it's red dwarf quality. Yeah. So it's I mean it's it's entertaining, but again, it's like if you got that for your children, thinking oh they can watch all the Superman and Aquaman cartoons that they want, you, you really want to go back there and, <laughs> and maybe check what they've been watching because there is some raunchy stuff on that network. Not that I have a problem with it. Hey, I, I, I'm a raunchy guy. I enjoy it. I I'm I'm one of those dudes. You know, I'll go to a strip club. I like strip clubs. You know, I don't, I don't care. You know, Where I don't did hide this that come stuff. From? <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't have a problem with. What did you do this week? What? When it, when it's, well, you know, when it's doing your face like that, it just catches me by surprise. Jeez. What? All the stuff you guys admit to, you think me saying I go to strip clubs is that bad? It was just out of left field. Like it was just a weird, a weird thing to throw out there. I think the last time I went was with uh, Thomas's boss back in whatever that well, there's was. A, there's a shocker. That whatever was, that yeah, was, that, Wednesday. That was years ago. But yeah, it was that was at a, at a PHP conference in Chicago years ago? But yeah, I think I did. I go to a poker room that night. What did I? Do? You did something geeky and safe with yeah. in a safe space with yeah. bubbles and stuff. I don't know what that was. Yeah. That was Question just it was a guys. very it was I'm, a very a, uh, interview with the Supreme Court blurt there. I like strip clubs. I've always <laughs> liked strip clubs. I still like strip clubs. I'm I'm trying to move us on here. Sorry. Do do you guys back up your GitHub repos? Like do you use a backup service for them? Why would you? GitHub is my backup service. Exactly. Yeah, I my back my backup is is my desktop. <laughs> I I I asked that because I had a, a client reach out recently and asked about backing up their GitHub repos, and there's actually a whole service dedicated to it called Backhub.co to back up your GitHub repos. And my comment was, everyone that has a a clone of the repo has a a full backup of it. Right. And his comment was that. Well, yes, that's true, but there are also lots of other repos that they have in GitHub that people aren't necessarily working on continuously, and they they may not have them. So I thought that was an, a fair point. I was like, this is a simple thing you could do very easily with a cron job to, mm-hmm. hey, let me pull from upstream, you know, and just make sure you list all of your repos very, I'm sure through an API call you could do it as well. Get a list of your repos and fetch them. Make sure you have it, them all down. Iterate through them and then maybe throw them up on S3 or something. Exactly. I, I mean, I'm I'm curious. Does the I could potentially see the benefit of a service like this if it does it back up all your branches? It back it backs up your entire. the The cool thing that it does that I didn't really think of, as well as your repos. I'm sure all your branches. It also does your GitHub issues probably your pull request. So all that metadata that you don't necessarily think of, but at the same time, I'm like, Thomas, doesn't GitHub have those backups? I would hope. I know MySpace does, except for that one time they lost all the music from 2005 to 2012. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's not like GitLabs ever accidentally ran the wrong query and deleted half the repos on their, no. on their service. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I can't imagine why you'd want to back it up. Yeah, it sounds like paranoia, John. It's, it's a lack of protein. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree to a point. Like, like you said, um, you know, every developer who has a clone has a quote-unquote backup everywhere it's deployed. I mean, that's your live code. I mean, that's the code you're worried about. But it would be interesting to know. Well, it is it is interesting to hear that it backs up things like your issues and your pull request. And 
it would be interesting to know if it backs up all your branches, because I could see where a branch might get abandoned and eventually deleted, and then a year later somebody says, oh yeah, you remember I created that branch to address this issue, and you guys decided it wasn't important. And being able to go to a service and say, okay, last year there was a branch called blah blah blah, and finding that may be beneficial if you're a huge corporation. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is it cheap? I mean, is it I don't know, yeah, cheap? I was going to say five dollars is five dollars. If you're a company, it, it might be worth it. It's it's not too bad on pricing. They they do it by number of repos you have. So ten repos mm-hmm. is nine dollars a month. Thirty repos eighteen dollars a month. So not not horrendous pricing. The I mean, here's a here's a silly idea. Like you said, you, you use a cron or the APIs and and you know check out of one service and check into the other service. Yes. Like I said, this seems like a this seems like a service targeted towards people who would think that's a good idea and then write their own version of it. <laughs> well, I was reading they do back up all your pull requests, but if you needed to restore to a GitHub repo for whatever reason, they can't restore it as a pull request. It would be restored as a GitHub issue. But still, interesting, but I, I, again, have the same thought. The simple cron script to to do your own backups. I mean, I'm sure I could just go to Packagist and look up backup GitHub. And, yep, (laughs) GitHub archive. You know what would be cooler than backing up your repos? What? If If you could develop in the cloud using your favorite IDE editor. Like but I can't. Studio code. But you that's, can. That's not my favorite. You can. You no, said, it, it, you it is your favorite. favorite now. You said your favorite. It is your favorite now. You can you can actually deploy Visual Studio Code onto the cloud. Um, I saw. I heard about this uh, a while back. You know, I, I put up the YouTube video. There's actually a Git repo out there as well. Uh, I think I have that. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. There's the Git repo. You know, put it on there. Um, I I heard about this about two weeks ago, and I thought I'd heard heard I heard people talking about it, and I thought I'd heard them wrong because I came back and I did a quick quick Google search and couldn't find couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh, I must have misunderstood what they said. All he got was videos of Eric the Midget. <laughs> exactly. But uh, somebody in our Discord channel uh, posted links to it this week. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is what I was looking for. And it's it's the full-blown Visual Studio Code ID, um, a code editor that, that you get for your desktop. You can deploy it on a web server. And, I mean, you have all the there's, – there's, it's not a watered-down version of it. It's not some clunky JavaScript. It's very responsive. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, interesting idea. I what I what I had hoped, and what is not yet the case, is that like for Diego Dev as a company, right? We could deploy this on a web server and give all of our developers accounts. So even further freeing up our remote developers who not only not need to invest in. Uh, and a code editor for themselves, which you may say, hey, well, they can just download video, Visual Studio Code themselves, but they also don't have to invest in a, an expensive laptop. They could just do all their uh, development on something like a cheap Chromebook. So that was my question. Um, have you tested it on Chromebook? Does it does it actually run well? Yeah, I, I I need to deploy it and test it. I I, I have a couple of Chromebooks uh, I can test it on, and in theory, it should also work on things like iPads and tablets and things like that. Um, I I watched the video. Uh, we'll link to the video in the show notes. I watched the video of the person, and um, I mean it 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 was snappy. It was responsive. Uh. You know, of course, it's using the resources on the server, so that's another benefit. You know, you're not you're not chunking away at your resources, but from what I could tell right now, it's kind of a one for one. It just deploys, it runs on a port, and you access that port. I I assume you could probably 
deploy it multiple times on different ports and give it different passwords. But I don't know. I I think yeah. I feel like we're we're moving in that direction slowly but surely. I think people like us, developers, are kind of the last line of you know people who have a requirement for physical machines like like we use and that requirement's getting smaller and smaller. And that's, I, I mean, so there's already depressing. services, there's already services out there that do this for you. And yeah, they all sort of work differently, but this is the first time where you could have a desktop version of this with all the plugins and all the configurations you like, and then have that seamlessly translate to an online version of it with all the same plugins, with all the same configurations. And the usability is the same, you know? appealing it's very appealing uh i dislike it well, i like, I mean, a, I like a hot lie. powerful laptop next to me <laughs> one that just hums all day long well when you're cold mm. you can put it on your lap yeah <laughs> kind of give it a hug warm your warm yourself up makes sense though nope not nope. where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> hey are you guys ready for wi-fi six was there a wi-fi five Nope. Did I miss something? Yeah. Okay. Nope. I mean, there there what? was, but it wasn't named Wi-Fi 5. I mean, can I first okay. comment? Because your thumbnail for this is the most artisanal beard I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> bespoke, single-gear fixie beard. Uh, can you speak English next time you talk? He looks like the kind of guy who plays uh, Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> Speaking of which... Wearing my, my Ultimate Frisbee shirt. Diego Ultimate Disc Experience. Anyway. Let, let the world see it. Disc. Mm, disc. disc. It's, this was the only time I've played Ultimate in a in a uh, league. 2013. Then I had kids and now I can't play at night. But anyway, Wi-Fi 6. I stopped following any of the standards. I kind of just, whatever comes with my laptop. Uh, whatever router I have or uh, wireless whatever, access point, I just kind of deal with, with the 802.11 NA whatever is there. Never really thinking much about it, just figuring I'm on the latest standard. And then I watch this video and, first of all, blew my mind with how wireless worked in the past and why when you go to a conference, all of a sudden things get bogged down and don't work so well. <laughs> yeah, like a switch. It's it's no. it's like a switch versus a hub, right? It's a, it's like a hub, not a switch. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and he that's the exact analogy he uses in there. So I'm assuming you watched watched that, or was that your own? No, I've just I've had to roll out Wi-Fi in my house recently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's that's the exact analogy. Exact analogy he uses, and it it was just fascinating to watch. And then he explained why Wi-Fi six is going to be so much better. And I'm excited for it. Probably the first time I've been excited for some sort of Wi-Fi standard. And it's all thanks to a good old YouTube. Except it'll, it'll take Apple six years before they actually put it in your laptop. And then it's going to be Wi-Fi 6 Apple, which isn't compatible with any actual Wi-Fi 6 stuff. So you keep well, hoping, John. Somebody was just looking at, at the... Uh... The MacBooks, MacBooks are still shipping out with 5,400 RPM hard drives. So I give it 10 years no, till they no, move up not. to this. Yeah, they are. Most of them have SSDs. Or yeah, they have solid shit. state. All the ones I see have solid state. I've, I haven't seen any with with spinning disk in a while. Uh, I'm sorry, it's the, it's, it's the new iMac. Louis Rossman, who is constantly under threat from uh, Apple. I love that guy. Was reporting on. Uh, uh, the newest iMac the re- having repair a guy. RPM. Yeah, they're up in New oh, York. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that guy too. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the guy who keeps pissing off Apple by putting out how uh, horribly money grubbing they've become. Yeah, we still keep supporting them. I don't. Crazy. Well, you don't. Speaking of support, let's thank our Patreon patrons. 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 Just patrons. We, we patrons. Nope, just Patreon. We appreciate your support. You guys argue about it for a little bit. I'll just keep the uh, slide up there. Patreons. Uh, Patrons on Patreon. 
that's the way they all all the other YouTubers or content creators say it. All the successful ones, pa- anyway. Patreon, Patreon, Patreons on Patreon. Patrons. Oh, it on is Patreon. It is patrons. Yeah, even Patreon says that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so thank, thank you, you for your support. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. You help you help keep the lights on and the show going. No, they hopefully, don't. They, they hopefully see. one day. The only thing we've used their money for was to mail them their gifts. That's all we've done with it. Hopefully one day I'll get one of them. Well, see, so you need oh, to. Damn it. Uh, Thomas, you we're need not to, like the you ACA. Need to look at John. John is like a buff individual. I was, I was, I was noticing his physique today. Oddly enough, not only is he has he gotten like super thin, but he's like got muscle mass now. He's he got little guns on his on his arms. Alarm uh, guns. I, I didn't know. Surprising. He, I didn't. Know I feel safer with him in the office now. You have to go to the veterinarian because his pythons are so sick. <laughs> oh my! We need to we need I, to go to the gym more often. I love the fact right. that uh, uh, the microphone clearly picked up Eric's Santa-like chuckle and then belly slap. <laughs> While talking about the physical prowess of John. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that, that the all-vegan CrossFit uh, going to bed at 9 o'clock. Rock climbing, frisbee chasing. Rock climbing. Child believer, Satanist. Oh wait, this wasn't Satanist. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that that diet does have uh, positive physical benefits for some reason. Just slightly. I'm more. I was more concerned with the health benefit than the losing weight benefit. But I'll take the weight loss as well. <sighs> Just don't take my guns away. <laughs> <laughs> He's not allowed to wear long sleeve shirts anymore because he doesn't have a permit to kiss her. Carry concealed weapons. <laughs> that took way too long to explain. <laughs> I think I can almost do a full pull-up now. I'm really close. We call that a full-up in the industry. That that's been my uh, that's been a goal of mine for so many years. Thomas, I'd have to applaud you. I I, I see in our Discord we were baited, and and you did not go for it. That was very. I didn't. I I haven't. I was asked. Uh, I was asked if I'd be criticizing Laravel this week, and I, I got nothing to say. I, I will say this: when I was writing my my scripts for managing my DNS stuff, I opted to use plain PHP instead of even bother with a framework at all. So my whole week has been completely in plain PHP, and the only thing no. I've missed is DD instead of printr and die. Yep, but you can. Yep. They- you could pull in a, a package and use dump instead of DD. I haven't missed it that much. Yeah, because I, 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 I use that dump. Yeah, I forget what the yeah. actual package was, but I think it's dump. Hmm? I think it's dump. Well, that's a stupid name for it. Why would they call it that? Symphony Bar Dumper. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that is it. Yeah. You guys ready for the the last the last bit of tonight? Because I'm I'm beat. Yeah. <clears throat> PHP Fig, which exists despite losing all of its members, has released PSR 14, the Event Dispatcher PSR. Um, if you if you want to check it out, there's a whole Reddit thread explaining how stupid it is, <laughs> and God. why this is completely unnecessary. Doesn't help anybody, and it's just, it's a clusterfuck. There's, no one cares about the PSRs anymore. The work is done. The group needs to just disband. You think? They're not doing anything they, worthwhile right now. There's no, there's no need for them anymore? I mean, they're tackling event dispatching, which just seems like that's a pointless thing for you guys to be taking on. Mm-hmm. Did you see um, that? Yeah, I was moving us on. Did you see that they're currently voting on the JIT compiler? Internals. Yep. Are you talking about internals? 
Yeah. It's oh actually yeah. it closed it closed today. Been open for a week. Did it pass? This project requires a two thirds plus one. I see a fifty yeses, two no's. So I guess it passed. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I talked about on the show that it was losing some support and that people were gonna have to come in from the Windows environment side to fix things up, but everything just sort of came together and it actually looks like it's gonna exist now. Um, in PHP 8, not in 7.4. Ah, I did not see that part. Yeah. I, I think I think they made that announcement sometime back. I don't think I don't think that's a new anything new. I think they mentioned that sometime back. Well, they were talking about having it in 7.4 as a toggleable feature. Well, okay. Yeah, Exper- yeah 7.4 experimental, but that was shot down 36 to 18. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, so it's definitely happening in eight now. Oh, it looks uh, like it. That's uh, that's good news. Are there, are there results on this thread here that I'm looking at? I I posted the link in uh, Trello. Yeah, it passed fifty to two. That's pretty good. It was rejected from seven four experimental eighteen to thirty six, but it was accepted into eight fifty to two. Yep. So. Looks looks good. Cool. Hey, we ended on some PHP. Yay! Good job, guys. Yay! That means that means we can officially end the show right here. It's been a good one. You need to do your podcaster voice again, John. Thank you for listening to PHP Ugly, episode one forty six. All right, you got it. I'm John Congdon. I'm Eric Van Jensen. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Keep it ugly.